Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, and here with me today is Cecile Lachard, the Chief Sustainability Officer at Guerlain. Hi, Cecile. How are you? Hi, Priya. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you. You know, we're such fans of the brand. And I have to ask you, Cecile, you know, you have a very interesting background. You know, you've really been with the LVMH family since about 2015, if I'm remembering correctly. But you actually started in finance. Like, how did you find your way to the world of beauty and the beauty industry? Yes, I used to be, you know, a finance officer, but uh, more precisely, an ethical investment officer in private banking. And then as I used to receive, you know, uh, many stakeholders uh, to animate the first kind of dialogue uh, between NGO and, you know, the, the people investing in our ethical funds, uh, I found uh, my way at the, my early 30, thinking I want to jump in uh, the non-profit world because this is here that I want to be, you know, useful. And then I joined the WWF, the Worldwide Fund for Nature, the Panda, when I was 30. And during seven years as head of philanthropy and in charge of luxury and environmental issues. Tell me a little bit about that kind of transition, because obviously, you know, it's only recently I feel like the beauty industry and even like a lot of other lifestyle industries, fashion and and home has really started thinking about ethical production, um, sustainability, you know, kind of coming into this world that is has not really thought about that from the WWF must have been very different. To be honest, uh, uh, when I used to work for WWF, I was feeling so bad because I managed, you know, to enroll all the sector, you know, to become partner of the NGO. And only one sector refused, you know, to join force and ends with the panda. And guess what kind of sector? It was a luxury sector. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I've been proposed at that time, and it was 11 years ago, uh, to write the first book uh, on luxury and sustainability. And um I was like, oh my God, I, I never write anything else on PowerPoint since my student life. <laughs> and it was quite challenging to become a writer. And I do really, really, you know, um, I am very, uh, how can I say, impressed by the work of journalists today because I, I met the work of a journalist during one year interviewing all the people from the luxury sector and people from sustainability to try, you know, to produce a very structuring corpus for this first book on sustainable luxury because it was the first in the world, honestly. Nobody wanted, no, or nobody was interested, in fact, by the subject at this time. And, uh, and that the way, you know, because I was quite naive, uh, that the, that the, really the way I jump into the cosmetic and luxury cosmetic sector, because I decided when I was working the book, uh, concomitantly to, you know, to create my consultancy firm specialized in sustainable luxury and philanthropy and thinking then 10 years ago, I'm going to have plenty of clients regarding the subject. But as you said, Priya, at this time, 
you know, the luxury sector was very shy <laughs> to say anything regarding, uh, you know, sustainability. Were you personally, I'm wondering, you know, you look very glamorous on this call, Cecile. I mean, were you personally very interested in beauty? Like, you know, whether it was, you know, trying makeup or skincare yourself or, you know, the French have a very um, relaxed but beautiful approach to beauty. But were, were you interested at all personally? To be honest, I didn't even know what was a serum. <laughs> I didn't even know that. And I used to, you know, just to use a cream. But by chance, I was like, you know, 35, 30, it was okay. But no, uh, I really, I was quite natural at that time. But you know what? I am so happy to have jumped in the beauty industry because... Uh, I'm now I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed by the innovation. I'm obsessed by texture. I'm obsessed by formulation, etc. And I needed it, to be honest. <laughs> um, Cecile, tell me a little bit about joining LVMH because you know they are one of the the most luxurious luxury companies and one of the oldest. And they have been on the forefront of CSR initiatives for a while, but you joined seven years ago. Tell me about that first job and what you were doing and and how you kind of made them think about this. Because as you said, you know, you thought you had a, we're going to have a million clients and, and it was really kind of a little bit difficult at the beginning with luxury. Yeah, at, the, at the beginning, when I joined seven years ago, uh, it was as head of corporate social responsibility and communication because I didn't do any communication in my life, but you will understand why, for a skincare brand, a new one created by the group for the Chinese market. And it was called Cha Ling, uh, owned by the LVMH group. And um, I did that. I visited a lot of time China because the brand, you know, was focused on an organic tea uh, grown in and cultivated in the Yunnan province in China an organic one, and all the eco-formulation was very at the cutting edge. We were really at the cutting edge at the time, uh, you know, seven years ago uh, for this brand. And then I've been asked to move to Guerlain three years ago uh, as, uh, you know, the head of uh, sustainability, chief sustainability officer of Guerlain. And uh, it was, uh, you know, First, a work focused on biodiversity, and now, now it encapsulates everything, meaning biodiversity preservation, eco-formulation, eco-packaging, climate change uh, subject, as well as uh, women empowerment. That's so interesting because obviously within LVMH, you were starting with a very startup-y new brand, and then you jump to one of the oldest luxury brands um, housed in Paris. And I'm wondering what that transition was like because, you know, Guerlain, I feel like very much is, is rooted in, you know, obviously women's empowerment and World Bees Day. And, you know, you hear a lot from them in this space, but had they been doing a lot of sustainability work prior to you joining? Like, what was your impression of the brand when you were taking on this role? Really, you know, we celebrate this year our 15 years of uh, sustainability. But at the beginning, uh, and it's not because it is a previous team eh, that I'm saying that. I'm not a mean people. Uh, <laughs> I do acknowledge all the work that has done. But we were very secret, very discreet, and only working, uh, you know, on um, 
on packaging mainly, and of course on biodiversity. But when our new CEO arrived three years ago, and when she she asked me to join, she said, "I really want Guerlain to reinvent itself, and we need to continue this momentum regarding sustainability by both elevating the brand in a luxury love brand, but also that all the world know." And is aware of the fact that we were and we still are a pioneer when it comes to sustainable luxury beauty. You know, we were pioneer, but we were really working on silo, not systematizing sustainability in all the media, in all the process. And the choice of Veronique was really to accelerate and really to scale up regarding sustainability. So what were your initial priorities and what are they now? You know, to kind of, I know you said you were focused on biodiversity and packaging at the beginning, but now it seems to be, there's many different facets of the business that you're working on. And how do you kind of juggle all of that when so much is kind of happening within the business? Now, to be honest, again, and very transparent, that's a pity, but my work is multifaceted. <laughs> and uh, it, it's not so easy to be, uh, you know, a chief sustainability officer because you have to be specialized and expert on biodiversity regeneration, but also on the way to produce, you know, uh, eco-packaging, to formulate in a more natural and clean way our, you know, and choosing our ingredients, you know, in an ethically sourced way. And then, because this is a particularity also of Guerlain, you know, building a very robust and structuring program when it comes to save bees. So, you see, there is a kind of continuity anyway, because I was working for WWF because I was fond of animals. And I'm so lucky that Guerlain, uh, you know, integrated in its purpose to preserve the bee, the sentinel of environment and the first pollinator, meaning that if there is no more bees, you cannot eat Priya. <laughs> we depend on bees, you know, to pollinate uh, our cultivated uh, plantation and all the agriculture, meaning that the human, uh, you know, food security depends on this tiny insect. Was that something that, you know, owning, I, I want to say that Guerlain has like the ownership of the bee in the beauty space. It really feels like that, you know, Angelina Jolie obviously is very much a part of that. You know, a lot of the initiatives that you worked on this year specifically really magnified that. I mean, how did you guys come to that conclusion? Like that was the center and that was the kind of the, the, the focus of the brand that was allowed you to have these other tentacles in biodiversity or women's empowerment? Like, how, how did you guys come to that place? Yeah, you know, uh, the bees are emblem, not since two centuries, but in reality, we will celebrate the fact that we used the bee at the, at the first time uh, 170 years ago next year, you know, for the marriage of Empress Eugenie to Napoleon III. And as you know, the bee was the emblem uh, of the emperor. So, Long time ago, we had the bee as a logo and as a, you know, a totem at Guerlain. But only recently, meaning 11 years ago, when we were screening, you know, the best honey when it comes to create our franchise Abbey Royale, we discover an amazing bee and an amazing honey in Brittany. 
an island close to uh, the French continent. And that is, was the starting point of our philosophy to give back to the bee what we do owe this precious hymenoptera, this precious insect. And since 11 years, we multiply, you know, the number of partnership regarding its preservation, but also education on bees. And as you mentioned, the latest one, uh, you know, connecting the dots between biodiversity, bees and female empowerment with women for bees. And our muse, our perfect muse at the beginning, Angelina Jolie, when we propose her, you know, because we all know that she is the most committed, one of the most committed women in the world. We, we ask her, dear Angie, would you accept, you know, uh, additionally to your role at the ambassador of Montgallin Perfume to be, you know, the godmother of this um, program we are launching, and it was last year. And she said, naturally, it's so powerful, you know, to raise awareness on bees because she 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 was not knowing so much. She was knowing, you know, what we know that bees is precious, but not having the idea and the magnitude, in fact, of the importance of bee. The the, the fact that they are absolutely silent and, and capital for our living and for humanity. And she said, okay, I'm so, so, uh, you know, motivating to raise awareness about it. And she had the idea of the National Geographic campaign posing with, you know, thousands of bees on her. And then, you know, it was crazy because three, uh, how do you say, it's not three million, it's three billion of people on earth are things in campaign. And I received so many... <laughs> you know, letters, emails from women all over the world, the world wanted to, you know, to be a, a future beekeeper in our training program because we train women all over the world, uh, you know, uh, from UNESCO Biosphere Reserve, more than 700 in the world. And um, we train them and we offer them uh, beehives to start their apidiary unity. And then, you know, to, to be empowered and meaning uh, autonomous when it comes to additional revenues. Tell me a little bit about some of the projects that you guys have in the works this year, because some of them, obviously, with the New York Botanical Gardens have been very immersive and very focused on, you know, the experiential part of sustainability, but then so many of it also comes down to product, which I think is where a lot of the beauty industry is focused on, like packaging, glass bottles, etc. So will you kind of guide me through what, how you're doing both? No, doing both is, you know, like a mission, a purpose, because I do believe that it's important, you know, to produce and it is absolutely focal and not all. Uh, my first role is really to ensure that we innovate in a sustainable way. We are Guerlain. We are not an NGO or we are not a foundation for bees. But additionally of our core business, we also have to develop, you know, this give back to nature that because, you know, we have two types of clients. In fact, we have our clientele, the classical one, but we also have nature because without a healthy biodiversity, no more luxury. You know, 
without grapes, healthy grapes, no more champagne, without cotton, no more, you know, prêt-à-porter or haute couture. And honestly, without perfume plants, without honey, without orchids, no more guerla. And without bees, no more humanity. So you understand, we absolutely have to balance between how product create in a more sustainable way. And I can say a lot if you, if you want <laughs> regarding the way, you know, and for instance, for the, the you know, the double air seroma, a new innovation, we, we perform this way. But also, and double air again is a good example, and also the way we work on, uh, on more um, non-profit subject, which is also, uh, you know, our prerogative as uh, the B brand. <laughs> And, and then, as you were asking, uh, for example, uh, we take bold initiative when it comes to, you know, to issue, to create and launch products. And we all always want to marry performance to commitments. And uh, a big step has been done with the new double air syrup, you know, because it is uh, the perfect torch bearer of the fact that we marry ethical sourcing from One, from Wesson, from other islands, you know, in Icaria, in Holland, in Finland, Icaria in Greece, sorry, in Holland, in Finland, in Corsica, etc. And they are uh, stamped, <laughs> they are um, audited and uh, certified by the most prominent independent uh, NGO when it comes to, 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 to certify that we source ethically our natural ingredients. So it's the first thing. There is another side, another pillar regarding eco-design and another side regarding eco-formulation. And regarding eco-design of our new double air, you know, this is new. The, 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 um, we, we move and we switch from plastic to glass for the double glass. Uh, and uh, and uh, it has been designed with a glassmaker partner, Veressence, who is really, you know, um, a pioneer when it comes to recycled glass, to incorporate recycled glass in glass, meaning that our double air serum is composed from 20% of recycled glass. You understand what I mean? It means that it is, um, it's like recycled paper. <laughs> we incorporate a part of post-consumer recycling materials in our format, in our glass. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Tell me a little bit about how you have approached, you know, sustainability with products because, you know, the serum, the double serum that you've been talking about um, that's about to launch, it's it's a continuation of, you know, the Albi serum is like one of Guerlain's hero products. It's one of your best sellers. It's, it's so coveted in beauty. And I'm wondering when you were thinking about, you know, which products you invest in, say, the glass bottles or the biodiversity or where you start, was it important to maybe start with the most iconic franchises within the brand? Absolutely. Again, Abbey Royal is really, uh, you know, the torchbearer uh, of our commitment uh, when it comes to all this sustainability innovation. And I should have started by explaining you that we have a new target and we have a new target that is really a mission and it is a, uh, you know, target zero virgin plastic use by 2026. And that's the reason why we switch from plastic to glass for this new double air serum. You understand? And uh, because glass is more easily recyclable 
And it is easily also to incorporate again a circular glass, an already used glass, a recycled glass in the glass. I mean, I'm not sure I'm clear, but it's all a question of circularity, meaning reusing materials when you create a new materials. How are you playing that forward in some of your more trend-driven products, like say your color cosmetics and, you know, your, your, I know some eyeshadow palettes are coming out this year and some face products. Tell me a little bit about that. But we did the same, for instance, uh, for the Aqua Allegoria collections that we will launch this year. And uh, we also, you know, uh, reincorporate recycled glass in the bottle. But you don't even know. You don't even see it. Nobody knows. <laughs> but we try to explain it. And it's the same with the formulation, you know, when it comes to uh, double air serum, you know, we target the maximum rate of naturalness, naturality, naturally derived ingredient. And it's the same, you know, with, uh, with the perfume, which is quite a milestone because, you know, in, in perfume and fragrance, it is more difficult than in the skincare category. Double air targets 96% naturally derived ingredients. And our latest juice, latest fragrance in the Aqua Allegoria collection, the new one, Nerolia Vetiver, uh, you know, reaches 95% naturally derived ingredient. But another thing that, mm, you know, you don't see when you buy <laughs> and when you purchase uh, our new fragrance, Aqua Allegoria, is that we decided to use organic beetroot alcohol. Because, you know, 70 to 90% of a formulation formula of a perfume, you know, is composed of alcohol and then water and then what we call the concentrate. And for us, it was absolutely, you know, priority, top one priority to source organic you know, alcohol. And it is not so easy because we purchase an, in France and, you know, you have a conventional agriculture and it is moving very slowly. But we, we did manage. And now we can announce that by 2026, whole our perfume portfolio will be composed of organic alcohol. And you know what? It is so important to Guerlain. Why? Because we have what we call, and that's a pity, uh, the collapse syndrome of the colony, meaning that there is a depletion of, uh, of the bee colonies because of climate change, because of a multi, you know, monoculture, etc., but also because of pesticides. And using an organic alcohol means that you have no pesticide in your agriculture. And that's the reason why we did it, to be, you know, consistent regarding biodiversity on the wool, naturally. When you choose organic, uh, you know, culture, it's more expensive, it's more long, it's, uh, etc. It's difficult, even for luxury, uh, you know, sector. But to us, it's compulsory, it's mandatory to do that. Tell me a little bit about the customer, because, you know, I feel like sustainability is such a buzzword and, you know, packaging, you know, we're hearing so much about packaging, but maybe not as much about biodiversity. When we're talking about climate change, then people are talking about climate change. You know, it's very 
trend driven and there's a lot of, you know, um, greenwashing, I would say. But what is the customer, the Guerlain customer, how attached do you think she is to these principles? I mean, obviously she loves the brand, you know, it's an expensive luxury brand, but does she realize what she's also buying into when it comes to ethos and values and, and what she's thinking there? No, you're absolutely, uh, you know, right. I, I do agree with you, you know. Um, sustainability is really searched at record highs this year and last year, not for a long time in the luxury sector. Huh? But, uh, you know, it changed a lot of things because we did well, as I told you, but we didn't want to speak. We didn't want to communicate because the luxury sector on the wall was not feeling very comfortable with merging the two concepts of sustainability and luxury. But now on, this is compulsory because not only the new generation, uh, even uh, my generation <laughs> and even the generation of uh, my parents, uh, you know, their motivation are definitely, you know, evolving. And I should say, that it is a question of context, you know, because of uh, the climate crisis, the erosion of biodiversity, all that you mentioned, but also the health crisis and the pandemic, you know. I think that it really set the clock back on luxury and it forced us to re-examine our fundamentals, meaning um, it has been an accelerator to, to say, not of profound change, because... We started our revolution regarding eco-packaging, eco-formulation years ago, but we didn't dare to mention it. We have this kind of, we say in France, we were very pudic. I don't know if it's, it is okay in English, but it means, oh, we are shy. We don't dare. We don't dare. Why? Because, you know, we have a, a, a huge subject uh, when it comes to history of luxury. Uh, this is that question of secret. Luxury was meaning secrets, secret when it comes to that, to process of fabrication, uh, to reveal who is who is cultivating our perfume plants, etc. We never say anything. We didn't want, and it was also, you know, and we still are, in fact, the sector of excellence. But when it comes to sustainability, you know what, Priya? You are never excellent. This is an iterative process. You have to accept that today you are not so good and you're going to make progress. And you can, you know, just communicate on carbon neutrality by 2030, but also address proofs of what you do well for the moment, your realization. And it means that many bad words words which were bad two or three years ago in the luxury sector, for instance, certification, for instance, I don't know, norms, uh, for instance, labels, labels. When I was asking for labels 10 years ago, when I was writing my book to, you know, uh, luxury uh, professional, they were, no, luxury cannot endorse and, uh, you know, deal with labels because we are perfection. We are excellence, so we don't need any third parties, you know, to assess, audit, and certify that we are excellent, okay? So it's, it's impressive to see that today it evolved so, so fast that now on, 
all the luxury sector, all the cosmetic industry mainly is seeking for all this labelization. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I feel like partnerships within fashion, within beauty is so important today. And you're seeing it with the indie brands, the small brands, you know, doing collaborations here and there, but then getting that certification, getting those labels, getting those um, stamp of approvals, if you will, from UNESCO or WWF is so important today to say, I have um, skin in the game, if you will, within this space. Would you say that, um, how would you say LVMH and Gerlan is handling that? Because I imagine you guys have the resources to put behind your your efforts there, but are you doing things within the company, you know, partnering with other like-minded brands, like whether it's the Louis Vuitton brand or uh, the, the brand that you worked on very early on in your career? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I just want to, to come back on something very interesting that you mentioned, is that the small, independent, you know, CSR, green native brands, they also pushed our venerable brands, you know, to speak louder. And I want to say that because nobody is saying that. Really, the small ones, which are green, absolutely green, they all have one or two or, you know, uh, a quantity of sustainable assets uh, because they are more, you know, agile. When you are f- when you are small, you are agile. Agile, we say, sorry, agile, agile. Uh, and so it is extraordinary to observe that they really push for us the frontier for eco-formulation, accelerating in eco-packaging, etc. And I wanted to mention that. And that's true. And I will um, sum up your, you know, analysis of you know, collaboration uh, by saying that, in fact, in the in the sustainability sector, and as you mentioned it, I'm, I work in sustainability since something like 25 years, and collaboration is a new competition. And you cannot, you know, go further and go fast without the help of NGO, without the help of, uh, you know, multi, of, um, of sectorial, uh, you know, uh, initiatives. You have to join hands if you want to go further and faster. And moreover, when we know about, you know, uh, the fact that the race is on when it comes to climate and uh, and biodiversity erosion and that we cannot lack of ambition regarding our sustainability subject. So we have to join hands. And another thing and good illustration of the way uh, I think uh, Gala is operating is that we were the first luxury brand, you know, to create what we call an independent sustainability board. And uh, it, it was last year uh, because we wanted, you know, to push the barrier of sustainable evidence ahead of competitors and of, uh, you know, of everybody <laughs> because now on, we still are, we we can say that we have a competition in sustainability, but it is a sane emulation, in fact. And we wanted, you know, to accelerate with powerful sustainable ambassador, and mainly these board members, which are all, you know, coming from prominent, independent, uh, you know, internationally renowned organization, uh, university institutions, startup in biodiversity, in climate change, in transparency, in clean beauty. They are all prominent independent experts. And they are like, you know, I said that they are like our group of uh, wise men and women 
but um, they are led by an icon uh, in Europe when it comes to environmental issues called Yann Arthus Bertrand. And he is a very prominent people, um, environmentalist and militant. And uh, be sure that they really push us, you know, uh, to, you know, because they are exigent and they are third party leaders. They push our action further. They ensure we are on the right track scientifically and at the cutting edge of uh, sustainability and the next subject to come. Do you think that board, obviously, it's such a good idea, and I feel like so many people need education in this space. Have you thought about, you know, partnering with smaller brands, partnering with independent brands that, you know, you are saying do have that agility, do have that kind of grassroots ability to do this? Yeah, uh, we do that naturally, and we do that, you know, in a very interesting way at LVMH, and this is the power of, uh, of such a group. You know, um, the digital and transformation team of LMAMH created uh, what they call the DARE project. And the DARE project is coming from idea from collaborators inside LVMH to propose, you know, to create a startup, you know, um, inside the LVMH group. And they propose ideas when it comes to accelerate and packaging and recyclability, etc., And then many startups have been created inside LVMH by, you know, collaborators of LVMH. And then we partner with them, with this kind of startup, which are the, the cutting edge, for instance, of uh, recyclability, of uh, textile recyclability, of components on the wool, etc., and circular economy. And that's an, that's an example, not of small brand we are working with, but startups mainly, to be honest. Last question for you, Cecile, you know, and this is a big one, but what is the biggest focus, would you say, that you have within your role the rest of this year and into 2023? There's so many things, I think, that when we think about the environment that are so pressing, climate change being one of them. But what would you say your focus is and and why? It's difficult because it's like asking a mother to choose one of her, her children. <laughs> I am a mother of two boys. It's like if you ask me, climate change or biodiversity? <laughs> or, or in Gala, bees or, I don't know why, of, uh, of our beekeeper? No, in fact... There are many challenges that are less evident and easy to tackle than others. Um, I would like not to mention that carbon neutrality is very, is one of the most challenging ones, to be honest, because it really uh, requires to change the way uh, uh, we in of the of our innovation process and and that's difficult but i would say in a more positive way that i cannot wait for our next big subject which is regeneration of biodiversity and we just announced that uh, we support and we help acquire hectares of uh, you know, nature of biodiversity in the historic village of the Guerlain family close to paris in a forest, the Rambouillet forest. <laughs> and uh, we will develop an experimental garden for Guerlain. 
Naturally, we will install beehives in this garden to study pollination. But most of all, we will ask our master perfumer, Thierry Vasseur, to, you know, use and play and test and learn with the most organic, regenerative techniques and, uh, you know, studying the interaction between this plant with another one and even orchids. You know, we will manage to implant uh, orchids uh, supporting the, the climate of, uh, of uh, Ile-de-France near Paris and just to be at the cutting edge of a new kind of culture and cultivation practices that we will then implement in all our iconic natural ingredients supply chain all over the world, meaning vetiver in India, vanilla in Madagascar, ilang in commerce, another kind of vetiver in Haiti, etc. So this is an experimental garden. We are going to partner with scientists and uh, again with ethnobotanists, ecologues, to create, you know, new cutting-edge processes when it comes to sustainable cultivation. That's so interesting. It's almost like your own experimental greenhouse, the way that you're going to be farming and figuring out what goes into your products, correct? Absolutely. Cecile, this is such a great conversation. You know, sustainability is such a difficult thing to talk about and seeing tangible results and tangible action. So I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Priya. Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And if you know someone or more than one who should be listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, please have them subscribe. See you next week. Bye.